0: I'd like to dedicate the next number in honor of Robin Larson and her mother. Yesterday I was at the church, and Robin was in the process of completing her um, lay speakers course, so you'll want to talk to Robin about that, too. Purple praise number 140, please. There is power in the name of Jesus. such a tremendous, powerful hymn. I want to thank Gary and, and lovely wife Kathy and Robin and those who were involved in the service last week. They did an awesome job of bringing you up to speed on the Wesleyan Global United Methodist Church, the Global Methodist Church. Chris is going to be joining us, Larson, a little later. He's going to be helping decorate the church. That's still the plan this morning, Jeannie decorating the church and have been an ad board today. And we're kind of crunching everything in because, you know, Thanksgiving. We want to welcome all those by way of television today to all of it United Methodist Church. We're so grateful that you take the time to worship with us. We thank you for your prayer support and your support, um, financial support. We just um, are a real struggling congregation. We're not strong in numbers, but we're certainly strong, uh, strong in quality. And we thank God for the tremendous support. And just as I was mentioning that Chris was gonna be arriving, he just kind of pulled up. I don't think he drove his motorcycle this morning, but I want to mention that our opening hymn is an honor of the birthday of Betty Um He just really deeply miss our church. He spoke and had prayer with Betty here just a few days ago. And um, they deeply and dearly miss the church. They. Support the church by their purse support and financial support and listen to it um, frequently um, as many of you do by way of television or, or radio or, or YouTube. So as we stand and turn to our opening hymn, Blessed Assurance, Purple Hymn, number 369, in honor of the birthday of Betty Wazick. And as you stand, maybe just kind of give her a little wave. We wish you happy birthday, Betty And we miss you, Betty and Ray. is our next hymn is come thou fount of every blessing purple number 400. you may be seated and just kind of maybe wave at the camera and again wish um, betty a happy birthday and it's great to have um, robin Happy, happy birthday. Thank you, Diane's daughter. If you just turn a page to page 401, I'd like us to join in this prayer on, in your purple hymnals on page 401. It's a for holiness of heart. And as we enter into a time of prayer and prayer petition and intercession, we need a sense of holiness of our hearts. 401, please. Lord, I want to be more holy in my heart. Here is the citadel of all my desiring, where my hopes are born, and all the deep resolutions of my spirit take wings. In this center, my fears are nourished, and all my hates are nurtured. Here my loves are cherished, and all the deep hungers of my spirit are honored. Without quivering, without shock, in my heart, above all else, let love and until my love is perfected and the last message of my desiring is no longer in conflict with thy spirit. Lord, I want to be more holy in my heart. Father, we thank you today as we come to worship and we pray for those by wave television and radio and those who are gathered around the internet and Facebook and other means. We, we enter. Yes, Lord, we enter this time of the year, and as First Thessalonians in the Bible, chapter 5, 18 reminds us that in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Fathers, we enter into a season of thanksgiving. I am more intentional, and we all need to be more intentional to voice the blessings of our lives. As we look back to our past, we are overwhelmed with Wonderful news that could have more wonderful news that could never have been given to our lostness. Then the confusion of today as we literally are drowning in information, as we are drowning in opinions and facts and competing voices with views on mass and vaccines and border and security the nation of Israel and our infrastructure, the military which leads to continual chaos that clouds the minds of the, uh, the populations. This is where we need our faith and our religion when we're entering our twilight years. From birth to death, it seems that religion and politics have welded the, the traditions and the beliefs of the public into a mindset never to be questioned. Evangelism and worship are the keys to our liberation and freedom that completely changed our lives and our families. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 reminds us that therefore, if any person, any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Lord, we are thankful today for all our partners and our friends by way of television and radio and YouTube and means of communication. It was partners and and friends like you that invested and sacrificed so that all of it was possible and the news, the good news of Christ comes to small towns and family changing all eternity and also many others. Many who were called into service as they recognized the reality that if they didn't go and preach the good news and share the news of Christ with their neighbors and their friends, there's vast numbers of souls that would go into eternity without Christ. And yes, we're so thankful for Sunday mornings, this first day of the week, to renew our spirits, to understand the power of the gospel, to transform the lives of the lost. Each of us have been schooled and Christianity and as we look back on our lives we can we can run the credits of this call to Christ it, there's many names that we could view on a, a rolling screen across our lives that have touched our hearts and our lives for eternity there's hours of prayer offered to the lord on our behalf and and dollars that have been spent that have been the rocket fu- fuel to to bring multiple hundreds and thousands to the cross in which Christ died, providing forgiveness and eternal life to all who who would hear and respond to the knock on their heart's door. For in the Bible, Jesus healed 10 lepers, but only one leper came back to say thank you. We do not want that to be our legacy. May we be intentional This Thanksgiving and upcoming Advent season, as we decorate our church, may we decorate our hearts and our lives with the gifts of the Spirit. This Thanksgiving, Chris and I, and along with many of our faithful, loving staff and friends and congregations, say thank you to those who view us and support us in their thoughts and their prayers. We say a big thank you to every one of you for, for a run, of soul winning that will last for all eternity. And Advent is a time of waiting, waiting. And waiting can be hard, frustrating, and disappointing. And these words reflect emotions many United Methodists feel as we await the passing of the protocol for reconciliation and grace through separation and the birth of the anticipated global Methodist church which we heard about last week and as much as we might like to ignore the reality biblical and spiritual history shows that often god's greatest movements come only after a long wait the hebrews in the old testament groaned in slavery for nearly four thousand thousands of years and the hebrews alone for 400 years and And they wandered in the the wilderness some 40 more before God led them to the promised land. And Isaiah prophesied, unto us a child is born, a son is given. Yet Jesus was not born in Bethlehem until about 700 years later. In the New Testament, writings took about 75 years after Jesus' resurrection to complete, and more than 200 years then passed before the church came to a consensus that their 27 books would form the authoritative canon rule of faith that we call the New Testament. A totality of 66 books from Old and New Testament. And, and waiting, waiting calls for patience. Waiting calls for faith and perseverance. God does not waste this waiting. And as we wait, the Holy Spirit builds character, deepens hope, and strengthens faith. And while waiting, the vision and the preparation for the global Methodist church has has developed and has matured. We pray for this church. We pray for our lives and our faith as you have taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. By television, or if you're listening by radio or other means of communication, our scripture lesson is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 7, please. Passage of scripture that reminds us of the first call that was made to the first disciples, and as they would become, would be followers of of Jesus. And Jesus assigned a, a mission. And listen to the call and the mission, verses, chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. After this, the Lord Jesus Christ appointed 70, 70 others, and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. Some 60 years ago, as I began my walk with Christ, I worshiped with a group that was called Two by Twos, or black socks, and they er, said their their origin was from this passage of scripture, and they had worshiped from early Christianity, and and they have their somewhat headquarters in Eagle Bend, Minnesota. They call them the conventions, and they used to gather on from throughout the United States. Eagle Bend would grow significantly, MEA weekend as they would come and they'd study and they'd regroup, they still meet. A member of, my, of our own congregation, Marge, all lived next door to the, this church. It was a church without any name, but they acquired the name two by twos or black socks. And then Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs, lambs into the the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, carry no bag, carry no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide. For the laborer, the laborer deserves to be paid. And the scripture concludes by saying, do not move about from house to house. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word.
1: Hi your brothers and sisters. Good morning. You're so lucky you're going to get doubly spiritually enriched today. My my lay sermon is on Mark 13, verse 1 through 8. And he came out from the temple. And one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to them, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, and James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, Take heed that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. The end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginnings of the sufferings. In my scripture today, Jesus was leaving the temple with his disciples. The temple, it just blew me away when I looked at the the physical dimensions of it was five football fields long and four football fields wide. That's almost inconceivably large, but it gets better. It took 80 years to build, and ultimately was destroyed seven years after its construction by the Romans. It wasn't just big, it was covered by gold plating. And where there wasn't gold, there was pure white marble. It was so brilliant that it would blind people in the bright sunlight. Almost just as incredible was the surrounding wall. It was made of stones, 50 feet wide, 25 feet high, and 15 feet deep. That's just, it's almost unconceivably glorious and big. As magnificent as this building was, it was still not as impressive and dazzling as the God that inspired men to build it. It was built to worship that God. That but the problem with the temple was that it was so impressive that people had actually come to idolize it and even worship it. This is yet another case where the created, the created, is worshiped and not the, con, not the designer or the creator. The temple's enormity, how big it was, makes claim that Jesus made his disciples about it seem all that more ridiculous. He said to the disciples, hey, there will not be one stone left on another. When you consider the size of this temple and the walls, it just, it didn't even make sense to me. I thought about that. How or why would anybody destroy, not only the temple, but the stones? It just didn't make any sense. But then I came to understand it. The original attempt by the Romans to Get rid of the temple was to burn it. So they dumped accelerant in there and they lit on fire. The heat from this fire took the gold plates, melted them down between the stones. This is why the prophecy of Jesus came true. The massive stones had become impregnated with the gold plates that had melted down into them. In verses 5 and 6, say many will come in the Lord's name and claim they are Him. They may not do the false signs and miracles to end that Christ does, but they will still lead people away from Christ. And Christ said there will be many that fall away and wear in gold to have faith in him. Verse 8 said there will be war and famine before his return. Unfortunately, many will believe the imposters. They're claiming to be Jesus because they think, well, that's what will happen when Jesus comes back. That makes the job of these Antichrist smallly that much easier to people away. They're like, look, what's going on? Jesus is coming back, and I'm he. I, that's me. Interesting enough. enough Jesus said wars and rumors of war are a sign of his pending re- return. He didn't say, oh, when you see these, I'm gonna be back. Jesus didn't even know when his return would be. Only Father God knew that. Jesus did say that earthquakes, famine, the persecution of Christians, and the destruction of the temple will merely mark and make a say, hey, I'm coming, and it'll merely mark his return. We are to treat every moment while we're here on earth like it's our last. Jesus could come back in 15 minutes, in 15 days, in 15 months, we don't know when. Not even Jesus, like I said, not even Jesus knew when he would be back. But it might just be our last day on earth. So live it with faith and, and praise to the one that made our minds, that put us here. The reference to nation nation in our eighth verse speaks of the conflict between Israel and Rome. That, don't think, when it says Israel, don't think about the country Israel. Because what all the non-believing nations are called Rome. It's not just referring to the country of Rome. The entire anti-Christian world that unites against Israel is that Rome. Although these events do not announce the end, the world, the world experiences them before the new, new earth and Christ's return. The term birth pains Jesus used was so incredibly accurate. Just like when these things happen, and the, I'll call the Mantor Christ Junior, come and lead people away from Christ. Jesus said, these are birth pains. Now, I know not all of us have had children, because, for obvious reasons. <laughs> but you know what? The birth pains are the contractions, get closer together and more intense, the closer the baby is to rival. That's incredible, because when the demons come in, the Antichrist juniors come across pulpy away from Christ, and then the Antichrist comes, those things will get worse. People People won't be able to look back on the new earth because it won't be in their memories. Thankfully, God takes all that away. But as the Antichrist comes, the persecution of Christians and the signs of Jesus' return worse and worse and worse and worse, just like labor for a child. When Jesus does return, he will rule over a peace, love, and harmony surrounding the new earth. It's like God's going to take out an eraser. Oops, there's going to be new everything. And the, the unique thing about that is, despite all these horrible things, that happen when they persecute Christians, they kill Christians, they torture Christians, they take, they destroy the churches, they burn the Bibles. That's not even going to be in a memory. That's not even going to be an unpleasant notion when Christ returns. When he returns, he will rule over a new earth filled with love, filled with harmony, and filled with peace. It's going to represent him and his father. God bless everyone that has faith and believes in Christ.
0: Thank you, thank you. Normally, in nearly every church, both Catholicism and Protestantism, the, the the Sundays before Thanksgiving are kind of mission Sundays, where people kind of look at building budgets, and that it's a time that we look back to the Scriptures, to the mission work that that Jesus led. You know his followers. And he appointed 70 at first to go out in pairs in our scripture lesson. And I was, both Chris and I, as we were at the church, we were so excited that Robin was preparing for her um, certification, certification of lay, lay license, currently one of the leading denominations that have lay leaders certified, certified, And once she becomes certified, she can go out various denominations and share various mission points. And this used to be a kind of a two or three day course. It was an overnight course and now it's uh, by Zoom, by Zoom because of COVID. And if others of you that would like to take the certification course, do, do let our church know. It's kind of a course of theology, on the Bible, and in mission work, mission work, and in the emphasis upon Methodism. So it it's a, a course on scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. So we we thank God that once um, Robin completes that course and gets her certificate, we'll present it on a Sunday morning. Well, the verses uh, before us in many congregations, both Catholicism and protestantism relate circumstances which is not recorded by any other gospel writer just just Luke Dr Luke was the only one that records these words that we read this morning and that circumstance is our lord's appointment appointment he he's called you and I to a, a certain appointment process and certification And he chose 70, 70 disciples to go before his face in addition to the 12 apostles. Billy Graham, I heard Billy Graham speak once. Chris and I were out at Anaheim, California, and we were at a Billy Graham ministerial crusade function. And, And he said, I am just the tip, the tip of the iceberg. The bulk of what goes on has been going on for months and years before. To see these thousands of people in this crusade comes with a lot of prayer, comes with a lot of work, forerunners that have built the crusade team. We are all called to be crusaders. We, we do not know the names of these 70, these 70 disciples. Their subsequent history has not been revealed to us, but the instructions. The instructions are instructions that you and I can adhere to as we look upon the mission to pray and, and, and support the good news of Christ through the salt and the light and the leaven that we are called to bring. But the instructions with which they are sent forth are, are, are they're deeply, deeply interesting and they deserve the, the close attention of all ministers and all teachers and all Christians of the gospel. Well, the first point, I know many of you follow the outline in the back of the bulletin. And if we get the hymns early enough, we send out the bulletins for those who've requested bulletins in their homes, and they like to write these, fill out the outlines to provide triggers to their memory on on what the sermon was all about. And we, I've done this for many years. I got a call back from from one of my lay leaders from Staples, and he said we we really missed the fact of having an outline to follow along because sometimes. Our minds get so preoccupied with the world that we forget two or three days later what was shared, but we can always go back to the outline and and it creates a trigger to the memory of the the outline and what you had to share. There were 70 disciples, right? Well, the first point in our Lord's charge to the 70 disciples is the importance of prayer, the importance of prayer and intercession. And we can pattern our lives uh, of the importance of prayer and intercession. Now this is the the leading thought with which our Lord Jesus Christ opens his address. Before Jesus tells his ambassadors and you and I are called to be ambassadors and this is something that J. Samuel Smith was always aware of because he was an ambassador from Liberia to Egypt and he lost some, like seven homes in Liberia when Civil War broke out. and he, he escaped to the United States and he was a member of our church and I was hoping that the Smiths would be with us this morning. But you and I, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. Jesus tells his ambassadors what to do first. He, he first bids them to pray. Jesus says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers laborers into the harvest. Growing up on the farm, I was always excited about planting season, but equally excited about the harvest and the smell of the corn as we'd fill the silos and the, the sweetness of the chopped corn. And the only drawback was that when you started to feed the corn, to the cows, it milk started to taste a little funny until you adjusted your your taste buds. Now, prayer is one of the best and the most powerful means of helping forward the, the cause of Jesus Christ in the world. Billy Graham would always say that the fire in the pulpit came from the fuel in the basement. He always had at least 70 prayer warriors praying for him in the basement of churches that he preached in. Billy Sunday was, was kind of the architect of that, but I believe they take it from this passage of scripture 70. It is it's a means within the reach of all of us to have this spirit of adoption, this spirit of prayer. Not all believers have money, not all believers have money to give to missions, very few have the great intellectual gifts or extensive influence among people but all believers can pray, pray for the success of the gospel and they ought to pray for it daily. Many and marvelous are the answers to prayer which are recorded for our learning in the Bible. James the brother of Jesus in James chapter 5 verse 16 says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous a righteous person availeth much. James 5 16. Now prayer is one of the principal weapons which the, the minister, the Christian, the teacher of the gospel ought to use to be a true successor of the apostles to be a successor of the 70 that went out in, in twos and one must give oneself to prayer as well as the ministry of the word according to Acts chapter 6, verse 4. Ministry of the word. Ministry of prayer. This is a way to win a blessing. To win a blessing in one's ministry. This above all is, a, is the way to cure helpers to, to carry the on Christ's word. You know, colleges, universities may educate bishops may ordain clergy patrons may give them livings but but god alone can can raise up and god alone can send forth laborers who will do work among the souls of the needy for a constant supply of such laborers let us daily pray The second point of our our Lord's charge here because we are all charged for certain duties and this is a charge of universal call. The second point in our Lord's charge to the 70 disciples and you and I today is this perilous nature of the work and it's a perilous nature of work in which we are about to be engaged. Jesus does not keep back from from you and I, the, the dangers and the trials which are before us. Jesus does not enlist us under any false pretenses or prophesy smooth things to come or promise us unwavering success. But Jesus tells us plainly that we must expect. He says, behold, Jesus says, I send you forth as lambs, lambs among wolves. In these words, no doubt had a a very special reference to the, the lifetime of those to whom they were spoken. We see their fulfillment in the many presentations described in the books of the Acts of the Apostles. But we must not conceal them from ourselves that the words describe a state of things which may be seen at this very day. So long as the church stands, believers must expect to be like lambs, lambs among wolves. They must make up their minds to be hated, to be persecuted, to be ill-treated by those who have no real religion and even despise religion. They must look for no favor from unconverted people, for they will find none. It was a strong but a true saying of Martin Luther and John Wesley, oftentimes repeated by Billy Graham, that Cain will murder Abel, if he can, to the very end of the world. Brother will be against brother, envy and jealousy, all that we live godly in Jesus Christ, says St. Paul. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, and again in 1 Peter chapter 3, 8, shall suffer persecution. The third point in our Lord's charge to the 70 disciples and, and to, you, to you and I today is, is a thorough, it's a very thorough devotion to their work which he... Um, Enjoins upon them. They were to abstain even from the appearance of covetousness or love of money or luxury. Jesus says, carry, carry neither purse nor script nor shoes. They were to be like ones who had no time to waste on, on the empty compliments and conventional courtesies of the world. And Jesus said, salute, salute no man, by the way. Jesus often pushed to the extreme, remind us of us, of the alienation, and the separation that we must inevitably face between the world, culture, and Christ. These remarkable words must doubtless be interpreted with some qualifications. The time came when our Lord himself, at the very end, the end of his ministry, said to the disciples, the one that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script, according to Luke 22:36, 36. And the Apostle Paul was not ashamed to use salutations. The Apostle Peter expressed commands unto one another, to be courteous unto one another, 1 Peter chapter 3.8. But still after every deduction, after every qualification, there remains this deep lesson beneath these words of our Lord which ought not to be overlooked. They teach us that, that ministers, Christian workers, followers of Christ that are to be called Jesus people, Christians, little Christ, should beware of allowing the world to eat up their time, to eat up their time and to eat up their thoughts and to hinder them in their spiritual work. They teach us that, that care about money and excessive attention to what are called the courtesies of life are mighty snares in the way of Christ's laborers and snares and to which they must take heed lest they fall. Those prosperity ministers and those prosperity Christians need to be very cautious of this passage of scripture. And let us consider these things because they concern you and I, especially in in the affluent country that you and I live in. They concern all Christians more or less, and let us strive to show all the world that we have no time for that mode of living that we believe in a stewardship of of time and talents and treasures that what we own has been gifted and shared with us as as stewards let us show then that we find life too precious to be spent in perpetual feasting and 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 visiting and calling and the like as if there were no death, there were no judgment or life to come. And by all means, let us be courteous. Let us not make the the courtesies of life an idol, though, before which everything else must bow down to. Let us declare plainly that we seek a country, we seek a country beyond the grave, And that we have no time for that incessant rounds of eating and feasting and drinking and dressing and civility and exchange of compliments in which so many try to find their happiness, but evidently they try in vain. Let our principle be that one of Nehemiah the prophet, that I'm I'm doing a great work unto the Lord so that I can give praise, and others will give glory to God. Nehemiah chapter 6-3. In the fourth point in our Lord's charge to the 70 disciples is a simple-minded and contented spirit which he bade them to exhibit. Wherever they tarried in traveling about about their master's business, they were to avoid the appearance of being fickle, changeable, delicate, livers or hard to please about food and lodging they were to eat and drink such things as were given them. They were not to go from house to house instructions like these no doubt have a primary and a social reference to the ministers of the gospel and Christian followers of Christ that are called to be the light of the world, the salt, the leaven. They are the ones above all in their style of living and giving ought to be very careful to avoid the spirit of the world. The spirit of the Antichrist. Father, this morning simplicity and food and household arrangements and readiness to put up with any accommodation so long as health can be preserved uninjured should always be the mark of the the person of God. Once let a Christian get the reputation of being fond of eating and drinking and worldly comforts and their ministerial usefulness is at an end. The sermon about things unseen, the sermon about things unseen will produce little effect when when, when the life preaches the importance of things that are seen. But we ought not to confine our Lord's instruction to Ministers only—they ought to speak loudly to the consciences of, of all believers, of all who are called by the Holy Ghost and and made sons and daughters of God. They they ought to remind us all of the necessity of simplicity and unworldliness in our daily living. We must beware of thinking too much about our meals and our furniture and our homes and all those many things which concern the life of the body, which are temporal. We must must discern between the temporal and the eternal. We, mu- we must strive to live like those whose first thoughts are about the immortal souls. We must endeavor to pass through the world like those who are not yet at home and are not over much troubled about the fare they meet with on the road and at the inn. Blessed are they who feel like pilgrims because Jesus calls us to be pilgrims and strangers in this life and whose best things, whose best things are to come. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio and YouTube and other means, as we rededicate our, our mission in life, our purpose in living, can we pray together, dear Jesus, help us to take account of each and every day to use it wisely, to be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little mouth what you say. Help us to accept you Lord to follow your stewardship in the use of our time and our talents and our treasures for thee. In Jesus name. Amen. As the ushers come and as we prepare for our next Him, my hope, is built. Would you join me in the offertory prayer printed in our bulletins? Almighty God, architect of the universe, your work of creation and building is always before us. We give our gifts this day in hopes that we might be co-builders with you in the creation of your kingdom here on earth. May our gifts also reach others, Who are hurting, who feel disconnected from your love, that they too may join us in the stonework of kingdom building, whose mortar is the sharing of Christ's love with the world. In Christ, our Savior and Redeemer we pray. Amen. Would you join me in the hymn number? Purple hymnals, number 368, My Hope is Built. Stand, please.